morning, everybody. Hare Krishna. Very nice to be with all of you. It's a big honor to be able to speak with all of you. Um, uh, an auspicious celebration uh, during an auspicious month. Uh, today we're going to be talking some about Govardhan Hill. Um, and of course, it's the month of Kartik. Um, so um, I think Guru Maharaj sometimes talks about the month of Kartik being a time when you can um, get more benefit by doing devotional service than the, than other times in the year. Some somehow because Krishna uh, feels a greater necessity during the month of Kartik, and um, I have a a little story, um, a lot of little stories today. So you guys will indulge me and humor me as we go through. Um, but there was a. The, it's a little story about the sense of necessity um, that may help us understand how Krishna feels a greater sense of necessity. There's a, I work on the ambulance. And one time I went to pick up this man. He was a, an elderly man who had fallen outside and um, he couldn't get himself back up and he was stuck there. And he'd been there for some time before one of the neighbors came and he wasn't hurt badly, but it was a hot day. It was July or August, and he was out there in the heat. And I, I asked him about his normal practices, if he'd been taking good care of himself, if he ate a good diet and drank plenty of water. And he said, no, I don't really drink water. Um, there, it's a, quite a common practice in, in America that there are some people who never drink water. Uh, they only drink Coke or Diet Coke or whatever, some soda. And um, he said, no, I only drink Diet Coke. But while I was out there laying on the ground in the heat, I would have been very happy to pay $50 for a good old Diet Coke. So in the month of, the month of Kartik is sort of like that. His, his sense of necessity was greater in that moment due to being out in the heat and stuck there on his front lawn and waiting for the neighbors to come by to get him up off his back like a turtle. So uh, anyway, Krishna feels a greater necessity during the month of Kartik. And so it's a good time for us to perform devotional service. Um, it's a good time for us to increase our, our hearing and chanting. Of course, all, all the time is a good time to increase our hearing and chanting and, and our sense of uh, sharanagati and surrender. Um, so um, today I wanted to, there, a question came up. Guru Maharaj was recently here in North Carolina after two years. And so that was a, a great celebration for all of us. We were, we were very excited to have him here. And um, so, um, but a, a question came up from one of our dear friends um, about the nature of discussing uh, Krishna's leelas and Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan. He was speaking about uh, the 15th chapter of Srimad Bhag of the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, where Krishna graduates from being a, a calf herder to becoming a cow herder. And um, so he's going into all these very specific and detailed pastimes. And um, our friend asks, or asked, that, um, so a lot of the, the talks are very beautiful, and I'm not able to follow all of it but I, I wish that there were something a little more practical that I could apply in my daily life. 
So I wanted to backtrack just a little bit, and I don't want to delve into this too long. I don't want to give a long introduction, but I did want to backtrack a little bit. Um, and like, I don't exactly know who everyone is in the audience, and I don't know where everyone is. Um, so I think a little background might be good. Um, like Guru Maharaj says, sometimes it's um, the, the philosophy or what we're talking about, it's too high for some and too low for others. Um, so um, I wanted to give a little bit of a background to, to answer the question, how is Krishna Kata practical? Um, so we'll go to the, one of the things, one of the practical answers that Krishna gives is found in the seventh chapter, in the, in the first verse of the seventh chapter. So this is, the chapter is called the Yoga of Knowledge and Realization. And I'll read you the, the verse. I guess we should we should do offer some um, invocation prayers also. Omagyana timirandasya gananjana salakaya chakshur unmilitam jena tasmai shri gurubena maha sidanto palasara nitya rasikam hamsam vilasatmakam odaryakya sudama sevakadanam vishramba bhakti pradam yacha yukti vichakshanam tvagavido vasista saktya sadak Pandeham Triparari Namakaya Tim Sri Bhakti Vedantinam Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Sri Vasari Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Ram Hare Ram Ram Rama Hare Hare Hey Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate Dr. Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavanishvari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye. So, uh, Krishna says in the first verse of the seventh chapter, Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, Maya Ashakta Mama Partha, Yogam Yunjan Marasraya. Asam Sayam Samagramam Yatha Gyasyasi Tach Trinu. The Lord of Sri said, Listen, O Partha, how with mind attached to me, practicing yoga and taking refuge in me, you can know me completely without a doubt. And Guru Maharaj offers a, a really beautiful purport. Um, he talks about what it means to. Um, what, it, what this, the full scope of knowledge and understanding about Krishna, um, what, it, what prospect that offers us. Um, so hearing about Krishna, of course, is, is the beginning of, of devotional service. It doesn't really matter um, what tradition you come from. I think, I think most religious traditions around the world suggest hearing extensively as a as a means of understanding what God is, what the foundational knowledge of God is, what is the world, what are, what, uh, what are we, and what is our relationship to God, and what is our relationship to the world. And as, as Guru Maharaj often likes to say, there's an old song, to know, know, know him is to love, love, love him. Um, when I was a little boy, I had my mother's records, all of her vinyl records from the 50s. And I used to have the, the big headphones with the quarter inch jack 
And um, so I would listen to these songs. So I was um, familiar with that. I, I've actually compiled a list, a Spotify playlist of the songs that Guru Maharaj um, has quoted just for fun. And um, maybe I'll share that with you guys sometime. I, I don't remember what I've entitled it, but there are many. But it, it's an old song. To know, know, know him is to love, love, love him. Just to see him smile makes my life worthwhile. Yes, to know, know, know him is to love, love, love him. And I do. Um, so that's uh, one of the, so that's one of Guru Maharaja's suggestions about understanding Krishna and understanding why it's important to hear about Krishna because knowing about Krishna um, by nature, we're uh, not to launch into like the, where does bhakti come from? I don't want to get into that too much, but I think that for all individuals in the world, we all have a sense that we come from somewhere and that we have something higher, a higher potential within us. And I think that it's natural for us to want to seek our source, or we, we want to have some connection with that. Um, so um, our, um, our conception of God is very specific. And um, to, to think that of all the different religious traditions that are in the world that are available, ours offers a very specific insight and a, a lot of detailed information, a profound amount of detailed information about who God is and what he is, what he's like and what our connection is with him in the great transcendental realm, which is beyond our, generally beyond our current frame of reference. Um, there are also other conceptions within the, the Vedic idea. We have a Brahman conception and we have a Paramatma con conception. So of course the Brahman is the unvariegated, um, comprehensive, ideal um, where all of the all conscious beings become folded into one in one um, homogeneous unified light maybe and of course we have a, a localized idea of what is God the, the param atma so the atma means the self or the soul it means a lot of different things and param means the supreme so the supreme soul who is an, uh, accompanies the the living entity um, through their sojourn uh, of life in the material world. Um, and then you have a lot of different conceptions. Uh, you have the deists who have an idea of God as a, like a clockmaker. So he, he makes the world, he makes the universe, and then he sends it out. And then it runs on its own. The gears work and it runs however it does. But he's detached. He's back at the clock shop making other clocks. And um, and then the, the Muslims have an idea that, that God is, might be formless. It's important to, to the Muslim people that God not have a form somehow. And you'll have to indulge me a little bit here. I'm not a serious student of any of these other traditions. I'm uh, partly a serious student of our own tradition. Um, so part of what I'm saying is I've only tasted the sweetness of what those traditions have to offer by mostly licking the outside of the bottle. So there, there may be more to their what they have to 
to offer. Um, but our, our conception is, is very specific. Um, so um, Guru Maharaj talks about this Bhagavan feature um, where Krishna is the supreme person. Uh, and he says, Bhagavan is the personal, lovable aspect of Godhead, replete with eternal form, abode, associates, and pastimes. So that's what we're talking about when we, when we think about Govardhan Hill, of course. We're talking about some uh, important place within his abode. Um, but delve into this for just another minute. So Prabhupada compares these three aspects of God, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan to, compares it to, to a few different things, but one of the things he compares it to is a mountain. And he says, when you're, when you're far away from the mountain, which I guess would be when you have a little bit less knowledge, you've heard a little bit less, you perceive the mountain in a particular way. You can see that it's a, a large body of land um, which rises up over the, the horizon um, in sort of a pyramid type shape maybe. And then as you get closer, you can see that there are, you can see different types of trees and you can see the different foliage and you can see some patches of evergreen trees and you can see some patches of deciduous trees and then when you get really close, you can see that there are all kinds of living entities that are supported by that mountain. Um, and you can see that there are villages and there are homes and maybe there's, there are like creeks or rivers and all kinds of animals and humans that, and they all derive their um, sustenance from that mountain. So the, the, the first one is compared to the Brahman realization. And then as you've heard more and you learn more, you see that there's a localized conception. And then that mountain, which is sustaining and maintaining all these living entities um, and having all this variety within it, that's compared to the Bhagavan conception. So one of the things that we want to know about God is we want to, if we can, we would like to know him completely. Um, so in order to know God completely, we have to hear about God. We have to hear from sages and sadhus. And that's one of the, the wonder, the, the great benefits of having all these different classes. Uh, we get to hear from so many of our God brothers and God sisters, and we get to hear from Guru Maharaj. And, um, it's really super. Um, yesterday's class was, was really nice. Brigupad gave such a beautiful class. Uh, took us on a virtual tour through some of the holy places there in Govardhan Hill. Um, and naturally, it's a, it's a little intimidating to, um, to follow in, in the wake of, of so many nice devotees. Um, I heard an interesting story, and I just uh, I decided I'm going to share all of these stories that come to mind. Um, but this week uh, on the internet, I, I saw a video where there were so, some famous rappers and, and other people talking. And um, so Jay-Z was giving an account of how he had played a show with a, another rapper named DMX. 
both of these gentlemen are very, very famous rappers. And um, so Jay-Z said, I was supposed to play in some huge arena, Madison Square Gardens or something in New York, and DMX went out and he was supposed to play first and then I was supposed to go on and play next. And so he said that um, as, the, as the show started, the crowd poured in and the house lights went down and everything got dark. And then DMX came onto the stage and took the microphone and he growled. And he said, all the men just went crazy. And then they came out and they performed a few songs. And then about halfway through the show, he pulled his shirt off and he had all these handsome muscles and, and all the women, and all the women, then they went crazy. And then they played a lot more songs and they played all the crowd favorites. And then, um, and then at the end, he said a prayer and he said, it was so beautiful. He must've gotten some help from some beautiful preachers. He said, and everybody in Madison Square Gardens cried. He said, there was hardly a dry eye in Madison Square Gardens. And then he left the stage and the house lights came back up and DMX walked on stage, walked off stage. And he said to Jay-Z, all right, now you go. <laughs> so he, it had already been a lot. So that's sometimes how I feel, especially yesterday after, after hearing Brugupad's nice class, I was like, that's a, that's a, that's a hard act to follow. So, I, so um, anyway, I'm going to try my best. We're going to continue a little bit. And um, so I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Um, this is something that Guru Maharaj shares, which gives, a, which gives me a great sense of, of confidence um, and faith within myself about what is my future prospect and what is my future hold in a life of devotion to Krishna in a life of devotion with others who also love Krishna. And I'll, I'll just read this bit of this purport. Complete samagram knowing is the knowledge that is inherent in love. So Guru Maharaj implies that there's a kind of knowledge that comes with a certain feeling. So we have a, both a bhakti and a Vedanta side. So Vedanta means the knowing side and the bhakti in one sense means the loving side. And he says, when one loves, one knows what to do. Um, there's another song for that. I'll, I'll, I won't delve into that just now. When one loves God, one knows everything one needs to know. This knowing is characterized further as freeing one from doubt, a samsayam. So we talk about that sometimes. We, we have some doubt, right? We, we, we all have these ideas of why our faith isn't strong, maybe, or why we don't practice in as determined a way as we might hope to or we might want to. It's because we have some doubt um, or, or our faith lies um, in ourselves. It lies, our faith lies in our own strength to pursue happiness or that happiness might come of our own agenda. But that's a, that's a problem of identity. So this knowing characterized further as freeing one from doubt. Doubt is a function of the mind. When it is overridden, we're able to move freely. And I really like this next part. Intellect-driven movement suggests surety. Yet following its lead amounts to proceeding with caution. 
it is not the movement of the heart. So we proceed through the world following the things which our intellect tells us will give us a sense of um, security. I think that's part of what comes from the mode of passion is we all want to, we all want to have a sense of security that my life is going to, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to provide uh, for myself and my family and that we're going to, we're going to be warm in a safe house and we're going to have plenty of everything, but that's not the movement of the heart. So here Krishna speaks of the homeland of the heart and a life in which the mind and intellect are subordinate to one's heart. In this land, one does not doubt the virtue of serving God, but questions how one can serve him best in any given circumstance. So, part of what's practical about hearing um, discussions about Krishna and his pastimes is that one point, there are several points to make, and I'll try and be brief, is that Hearing about these pastimes in and of itself is devotional service. Um, also, hearing about these pastimes is nourishing for some people who are eager to hear that. There are many types of, of things one can hear in the material world. Um, and some people yearn to hear about the, the deeper inner secrets of what goes on within Krishna's pastimes. Um, there, you know, we're going back to that feeling of security and that sense of self, which has to strive and achieve and, and gain something in the world. Um, the, those things will never be, will ne they will never last for one, and they'll never give us the kind of happiness and sense of security that comes from actually knowing who we truly are as the servant of Krishna, as an eternal soul. We're talking about Atmananda, and we're also talking about Bhakti Ananda. So we have to understand what our identity is. So hearing about Krishna is practical based on our sense of identity. And I want to go through this just a little bit. So in America, we talk. They used they used to talk about this, and I don't know that they teach this, and they probably they may teach this other places in the world as well. But that everything within the material world is either an animal, a vegetable, or a mineral, and so that comprises all that we've ever that all that we see and all that ever has been, and uh, just doing a, just scratching the surface of that. They say the difference between the minerals and the animals and vegetables is that the minerals were never alive. So, which implies to, to me and to us as Gaudiya people that there is a, a unique conscious individual within the, um, the vegetables and the animals that differentiates them uh, by being conscious, by being aware, and by having lived, where as opposed to the water or Carbon in and of itself has never been alive. So in the same way, in a similar way, uh, I wanted to show you guys this. We have, Heather's got everything blurred. So all it says is that in, the, in our Gaudiya tradition, what we have, there, there are only three things. We have a, a Maya Shakti, 
a Tatastha Shakti, and a Svarup Shakti. There are only three things. So Krishna's external energy, and Krishna's marginal energy, and Krishna's internal energy. So um, hearing about Krishna's pastimes um, is important because we are Krishna's marginal energy, and we have the tendency to be influenced by whatever we're around. So if we're surrounded by the material energy all of the time, then we're going to be influenced to act on our more material tendencies. And if we're surrounded by Krishna's spiritual energy all of the time, then we're going to be influenced to act in a way that's spiritual. So, of course, um, I talked about this longer than I meant to so far. But I'll just go through these verses and then we'll, we'll jump into something else. But I, I wanted to give a foundation of, I wanted to try and answer this. Um, how is it practical to hear about all of these things? It is, and I, I was thinking for myself, it is practical based on our identity as something which is different from matter. It's very, very practical. So Krishna says in text four of Bhagavad Gita, Bhumir Apo Nalo Vayu Kammano Budhirevacha Ahankara Itiyame Bina uh, prakritir astada. So earth. So we're we're still in analysis mode. Earth, water, fire, air, ether. Those are the five gross elements that are practical. They're tangible. You can reach out and touch all of them except the space. Uh, the the ether is the space um, where all of those other things reside. And then in a subtle way, we have mind, intelligence and a sense of ego, ahankar. So it's a aham is a I, and kara, it means maker. So ahankar is an I maker. So those are the three subtle energies, um, what some people refer to as the astral body, which sounds a, a little woo-woo maybe. Um, but, though, but Krishna talks about those, and that's, that's, who, that's how we think of ourselves, and that's that's how we process our, our life, through, through the lens of our mind, intelligence, and false ego. And um, in higher realms, like Lord Brahma, he also has like a mind, and intelligence, and an ego, but he is more a more refined material person. His body is said to be made of intelligence, whereas we're made of all these earth, water, fire, air. Lord Brahma's body is made of intelligence. So he's a more refined person. Um, so anyway, we're, we're not those things. We're not earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, or ahankara. Um, Krishna says that those are his bina prakritir. They're separated. Prakriti, of course, is nature, prakriti and purusha. And then we have bina. Those are separated from Krishna. So that's his maya shakti, his external energy. So if it's an external energy, then it's a maya shakti. So that also differentiates us because we're a marginal energy, a proud member, card-carrying member of the marginal potency of Krishna. So um, Krishna says in the next verse, apareyam itastvanyam prakritim vidhi me param jiva bhutam mahabaho yayadam daryate jagat. However, other than this, O mighty armed one, you should know that I have another superior nature consisting of souls by which this universe is sustained. Um, Guru Maharaj doesn't doesn't stress this word souls very often, but he's given it he's given it some 
emphasis in, in, uh, in text five here. And then Krishna, he only hints at his Farup Shakti. So we've talked about the external Shakti, the soul. We have a, another energy, which is ourselves, a superior nature of souls. And then he hints at the next, his uh, internal energy in the next two verses. You should understand that all beings are born of these two powers and that I am the origin and destroyer of the universe. Again, hinting at, the, at the, his internal energy in the next verse. Nothing whatsoever is superior to me, O winner of wealth. Everything rests on me as pearls are strung on a thread. And then text 17 refers to again to the Svarup Shakti. Of these, the man in knowledge who is ever united and one with me in devotion is best. Indeed, I am very affectionate to a person in knowledge and he is he is fond of me. The text 18, again, all of these are no doubt exalted. However, the self-realized soul I regard as my very self. Indeed, his mind is fixed on me. He abides in me, the ultimate goal. So there he's, he's hinting at what is the Svarup Shakti. So it's laid out a little bit there in, in chapter seven. So, um, From here, we'll, uh, we'll transition a little bit. And we'll do some practical hearing about these very specific and esoteric things uh, about the nature of Krishna's pastimes. Um, and I hope that it'll be practical for all of us to hear these things. We're gonna, we're gonna talk today about a devotee of Krishna. Um, so this devotee, he sets a good example for us. Um, and that is, that's part of what, what the bhakti process is as raganuga devotees. Um, we hope to become followers of these very serious devotees, very stalwart devotees, or devotees who, um, ultimately the devotees who have these feelings of devotion that are inborn and indwelling within them, or people who have, um, people who have worked on themselves and people who have aspired in devotion for a long time. And, um, we hope to be like those people. We hope to emulate them. We hope to do the things that they've done. And we hope to develop the feelings that they're already feeling. Um, I was thinking earlier this week that Govardhan, the, the pastimes at Govardhan and all of Krishna's pastimes are, are an eternal Leela. They're uh, a Nitya Leela. And that there are probably people who are experiencing the Govardhan Leela today um, somewhere in one of the universes who are like ourselves. At some point in their previous life, they were a Jiva living in the, maybe on the earth planet. Maybe there's some Jiva who was in North Carolina, but now today in some other universe, he's experiencing the Govardhan Hill. He's standing there surrounded by loving devotees of Krishna and Krishna's holding Govardhan Hill in his left hand. In his past, he was a conditioned person in North Carolina, but today he's an exalted, loving, like cowherd boy, cowherd girl, cowherd man, and in under the hill, protected from Indra's torment of the Samvartaka clouds. So uh, one day we'll, we'll, we will get there. Um, uh, so... Anyway, 
Today, I want to talk a little bit. We're going to transition. We're going to talk about one of these amazing devotees. Um, um, these, this is one of the, the people that we can, um, that we can look to uh, about uh, our potential in devotion for Krishna. And um, um, I want to talk just a little. This person, of course, is a Tirtha unto themselves. And when Guru Maharaj was here, um, it was one of the verses that he asked for. Um, uh, King Yudhisthira is speaking to Vidura. And he said, and Yudhisthira told, tells Vidura that um, saintly persons like himself, who always carry the Lord within their heart, uh, um, are themselves places of pilgrimage. They are a Tirtha. And Guru Maharaj went on to explain that a Tirtha is like a, a person or a place that the, the veil or the covering between what's apparent in the spiritual world and what's blurry in the material world, that veil becomes very thin. So Bhakti Ras, she was recently talking about the nature of Halloween. And Halloween um, is a time when it's thought that the veil between the material realm, our obvious material realm, and the subtle spiritual, subtle material realms, uh, that veil becomes thin. So that's a time, um, a time uh, when that happens. But today we're going to talk about a person who is, um, who is a, a person who embodies the opportunity for that veil to be lifted and for us to, to peer within those private things um, that, that come to us by mercy, some things that we can't necessarily qualify ourselves for in the association of such a person. Uh, we get the opportunity, we become privileged to see beyond the veil and we see into those feelings. When Guru Maharaj talks and when, when a lot of devotees that give classes talk, we, we, have, a, we have these feelings that arise in us that are, that are there. They, they lay a little, a little bit dormant sometimes when we're doing so many practical things in our life. But in the right association, um, we, get to, we get to see, we get to hear those things and we get to feel those feelings. So we pick up in the story uh, in Chaitanya Charitamrita. And in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we're going to talk about our primary hero, Lord Chaitanya. Uh, and in Lord Chaitanya's travels, he happens to be uh, visiting in a village called Remuna, and he's visiting the temple of Gopinath. Um, so Lord Chaitanya visited the temple and offered his obeisances with great devotion. And when Lord Chaitanya offered his obeisances, the garland of flowers or the crown of flowers that had been on the head of the Gopinath deity fell onto and landed on the head of Lord Chaitanya, which must have been wonderful for all the devotees that were there, the Pujaris and the other devotees that accompanied Lord Chaitanya. And, um, and he chanted and danced in various ways. And um, so the Lord Chaitanya remained there because he was very eager to taste the sweet rice, which was offered to the Gopinath deity. This deity is very famous as the 
Sira Chora Gopinath. And um, so having heard a narration from his spiritual master, Ishvara Puri, of what had once happened there. Um, so formerly this deity of Sira Chora Gopinath had stolen a pot of sweet rice for Madhavendra Puri. And therefore he became very famous as the deity that stole the pot of sweet rice for Madhavendra Puri. So Madhavendra Puri um, is said to be um, the incarnation in, in some circles, according to some of these bhajans, Gaudiya Vaishnava bhajans, we take on, on good faith that Madhavendra Puri is said to be the incarnation of the Vamsivat tree. So there are many special places within Vrindavan where Radha and Krishna might meet uh, in some clandestine way. There's some secretness about the places where they meet and what goes on in those meeting places. Um, so this Vamsivat tree, I can only imagine the kind of beautiful tree that this, this Vamsivat tree is or what, what goes on there. But Madhavendra Puri, of course, is said to be an incarnation of that tree. And of course, Guru Maharaj says we should approach uh, such, such topics with a little bit of hesitancy, a little bit of um, caution. Um, I think I've asked him a number of questions about this, about Gorakana Deshadipika and things like that, where certain persons are described and he, He's given some, given me reason to to think about it, um, and and uh, I don't know, not to anyway, to have some caution. So, um, Madhavendra Puri uh, was traveling alone uh, for for a long time, and he um, he made his way to Vrindavan, and very happy to be there, and um, and so he arrived there, and he took his bath at the Govinda Kund. And Madhavendra Puri, who was chanting and chanting, and it was a beautiful verse, Madhavendra Puri was almost mad in his ecstasy of love of Godhead. And he did not know whether it was day or night. Sometimes he stood up and sometimes he fell down. He could not discriminate whether he was in a proper place or not. And sometimes you hear Lord Chaitanya described like this too. He didn't know whether it was day or night. And you, it, I think it, it indicates to us the depth of um, the potential for us and for, for all kinds of devotees to, to delve into their inner life. And what you can see when you close your eyes to the practical considerations of the modern world and delve deeply into Krishna's holy names and, uh, and to these beautiful pastimes of Krishna. Samadavindra Puri was really swept away. After circumambulating the hill, Madhavindra Puri went to Govinda Kund and took his bath and then sat beneath a tree to take his evening rest. And while he was sitting beneath this tree, an unknown cowherd boy came and he offered Madhavindra Puri a pot of milk. And smiling, he addressed him as follows. O Madhavindra, please drink this milk why don't you beg some food to eat? And what kind of meditation are you doing? So 
when Madhavendra Puri saw the beauty of this boy, he, um, he felt relief from all of his hunger and thirst and being tired. And he responded with some of his own questions. Madhavendra Puri says, who are you? And where do you reside? And how did you know that I was fasting? So in Vrindavan, there are many sadhus and sometimes they live by, um, by either doing something practical to get their food and uh, other practical things. Sometimes they do madhukari, um, which of course is like the bee uh, that goes from place to place. It's a honey maker, not a eye maker, a honey maker. And um, so Guru Maharaj has, has given a lot of accounts about the madhukari, um, but Madhavendra Puri wasn't doing madhukari. And so this little boy, he responds, I'm a cowherd boy and I reside in this village and in my village, nobody fasts. In this village, some people can beg for food and um, other people, they only drink milk. But if a person fasts and doesn't ask anybody for anything, I make sure that they have plenty of milk. He says, the, the women who came here to take water, they saw you and they supplied me with milk to bring you. So you can, it's interesting to imagine there are some, uh, maybe some older gopi women who had gone to Govinda Kun and they come back and they might say to Krishna, there's a sadhu who's come into, into our village. Maybe you should take him some milk. And uh, so he said, the, this boy, he says, I, I have to go very soon and milk the cows, but I'll return and I'll take the pot back from you. And saying this, the boy left this place and soon, like very soon, he couldn't be seen at all. He had, he had vanished. And Madhavendra Puri's heart was filled with wonder. So Madhavendra Puri drank the milk and he washed the pot and he set it aside because the boy said he was going to return and take the pot. And then I like the description here. It said, he looked toward the path and the boy never returned. And you, you think sometimes you, you're watching, you're watching for somebody to, oh, he, were, he said he was going to return and I'm watching, he's going to return. And um, so Madhavendra Puri couldn't sleep. He sat and chanted the Hare Krishna mantra. And at the end of the night, he dozed a little and then he had, an, and his external activities had stopped. And in a dream, Madhavendra Puri saw the very same boy. The boy came before him and holding his hand, took him to a bush in the jungle. The boy showed Madhavendra Puri the bush and said, I reside in this bush. And because of this, I suffer greatly from the heat and the cold and the rain. As Guru Maharaj said in one of his lectures, he said, I live in this bush and I'm hot. So please bring the people of the village and get them to take me out of this bush and have them situate, situate me nicely on top of the hill. So, um, Krishna continues, please construct a temple on top of that hill and install me in that temple. After this, wash me with a large quantity of cold water so that my body may be cleansed. And then he says, for many days, I've been observing you and I've been wondering, 
when will Madhavendra Puri come here to serve me? So I was thinking about Govardhan Hill. He's very tall, or used to be taller. He's not very tall now, as we heard yesterday, maybe 25 meters, but it used to be taller. And, and it's a, it is a high point, I think, in Vrindavan. And Govardhan Hill is able to observe all the pastimes that go on there. You have cow herding pastimes and game pastimes and romantic pastimes. And Govardhan Hill is privileged to witness all of those things. And I was thinking about Guru Maharaj often tells a story about the guru and he sits on top of the hill and the devotee aspires to become a devotee. And sometimes he goes up the hill and sometimes he's going down the hill. And sometimes when he's going down, he thinks, it's not very good. I'm going down the hill. And the objective is to go up the hill. But going down the hill, but from the guru's perspective on top of the hill, he thinks the devotee is coming closer. Going down the hill is just part of going up. Going down is part of going up. So couldn't help but think about that story. I've accepted your service due to your ecstatic love for me. Thus I shall appear, and by my audience, all fallen souls will be delivered. My name is Gopal. I'm the lifter of Govardhan Hill. I was installed by Vajra, and here I'm the authority. So when the Muslims attacked, the priest that was serving me um, hid me in this bush in the jungle, and then he fled out of fear of the attack. I was going to insert one more story here, but I'll have to tell you another time a story about Malecha, but it'll have to come at a later date. Since the priest went away, I've been staying in this bush. And it is very good that you've come here. Now just remove me with care. So the following day, Madhavendra Puri, he wakes from his dream. Um, Madhavendra, um, Madhavendra Puri woke from his dream and considered all that had happened. He considered that beautiful cowherd boy. And then he considered that Gopal, which was in his dream, which had led him to this spot in the jungle. And then it says a, a beautiful thing. It says that Madhavendra Puri cried for some time and then fixing his mind on his service to Gopal, he became tranquil. So that may happen to us sometimes in our life. Some, some unwanted thing might happen. We might go through something difficult. And so in this instance, we should follow the example of Madhavendra Puri. We may cry for some time and then we think about our identity and we think about our service to Gopal and then we'll become tranquil. And then we proceed in the land of the heart. After taking his morning bath, Madhavendra Puri entered the village and assembled all the people. And he spoke as follows. So you can imagine um, someone comes into town who's not familiar with all the other villagers. And these are this is the, the village of Govardhan. These are Bridgebasis. And they say, I had a dream. You can imagine, maybe I, if I came to you, I said, Shamananda and Sakirati, I had a dream last night. Uh, eyes are wild. I had a dream, very profound dream. And I need for all of you to come. And it, we're going to go into the jungle. It's very thick. 
I have an ax for everyone and we're going to chop our way through the jungle. There's a deity and we're going to go find him. And you might say, oh, look, look, buddy, I got, I got several things planned for the day. I don't think I'm going to be able to go with you on your trek into the jungle. Uh, but Madhavendra Puri, of course, is a very profound devotee. And I'm sure he had a very profound feeling. He's had a very profound day and a very profound night. And so all, so everyone was convinced. And so everyone gathered their axes and machetes and shovels and they launch in. And, um, and Madhavendra Puri, certainly he, he leads them to the bush where Gopal had led him the previous night. And there they find a large deity of Krishna buried beneath the bush, just there on the edge of the Rajasthani desert. He'd been there for a long time. And um, can't help but think about Sumati. When I was living in Saragrahi, we would, a lot of our seva was to go out and we were clearing the forest. There were lots of thick places. And Sumati was there and she's, you know, like 75 years old at the time. And we're surrounded by people who are in their 20s and 30s and 40s. And, and Sumati is working very diligently right alongside them. So I can't help but think about Sumati chasing off after Madhavendra Puri to find this deity of Gopalnathji. When they saw the deity covered with dirt and grass, they were all struck with wonder and pleasure. And after they had cleansed the body, they had found that the deity was very large and that no single person was going to be able to lift the deity. So several of the big strong men, they came up and they picked up the, the beautiful deity of Gopal Nathaji, which had been covered under the dirt and dust and roots of, of Vrindavan. And, um, and then they carried him to the top of Govardhan Hill. A big stone was made into a throne and the deity was installed upon it. And all the Brahmin priests of the village gathered with water pots, and the water from Govindakund Lake was brought there. And when the deity was being installed, 900 pots of water were brought from Govindakund. There were musical sounds of music, uh, musical sounds of bugles and drums and the singing of women. During the festival at the installation ceremony, some people sang and some people danced and all the milk and yogurt and clarified butter in the village was brought to the festival. So you can't help but think of the Anakut ceremony performed when Krishna was there with Nanda Maharaj and Mother Yashoda and all the villagers and they had foregone the, the worship of Indra. Um, so by the power of Madhavendra Puri and the Gopal deity, uh, so villagers brought their entire stock of grain. They brought rice and they brought dal and they brought milk products. They, and there were mounds of rice and there were mounds of wheat. And there were five or six brahmanas over here and they're making a wet vegetable preparation. And five or six are over here and they're making dry vegetables. And seven or eight, they're over here making chapatis. And brahmins over here and they're chanting mantras. And... Uh, So um, they bathe the deity and they wash the deity with 
all these hundreds of pots of water from Govinda Kund. And then they smeared the body of the deity with oil. And so that his body looked very glossy. And you can't help, I can't help but think about some of the deities in, Sar, in Saragrahi when they're worshiping the deities, Bhakti Ras and Sumati, they're dressing the deities. And Ashram Maharaj, he's bathing and decorating his Takwarjis, and Subal's there, and he's decorating and asking little questions from Ashram Maharaj. And Chitta's there, and he's making sandalwood paste. He's crushing and got a mortar and pestle. And, so they're they're making the making the deities very beautiful and very glossy. And then he was nicely dressed in new garments. And then they offered all these mounds of food, mountains of food, sweetmeats and sweets and ladus and gulabjamins. And after the final offering, Krishna was offered tambula and pan. And then the Boga Artik was performed, and everyone offered their various prayers and obeisances. And then, as the days went by, all the all the local villagers they heard there's some there's an amazing sadhu Madhavendrapuri, and he's appeared here in Govardhan, and the villagers there they all followed him out on some half baked trek to find this beautiful deity, and sure enough, it was there. And now this beautiful deity has been installed at the top of Govardhan Hill. So all the, all the surrounding villages, day after day, they were coming and they're bringing their grain, they're bringing their rice and wheat and everybody's coming nicely dressed and their Brahmins coming from every village and they're, you know, there's five or six over here, they're making chapatis and over here they're five or 10, they're making stacks of sweetmeats and, um, in that way, the, the Anukut, Anukut ceremony was performed day after day there in Vrindavan. This wonderful festival and installation of Sri Gopalji was arranged in one day. Certainly all this was accomplished by the potency of Gopal. No one but a devotee can understand this. So the Lord was given water for washing his mouth. And Madhavindra Puri brought a new cot and new bedding. And the deity was put to rest. And in that later that night, he, um, he took a milk preparation. More devotees came. So I wanted to read this one, one last verse. Um, the ideal place to execute Krishna consciousness is Vrajabhumi or Vrindavan, where the people are naturally inclined to love Krishna, and Krishna is naturally inclined to love them. And I'll read part of Prabhupada's purport. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is said, There is a responsive cooperation between the Supreme Lord Krishna and his devotees. The more a devotee sincerely loves Krishna, the more Krishna reciprocates, so much so that a highly advanced devotee can talk with Krishna face to face. Krishna confirms this in Bhagavad Gita 10.10. 10. 
Desham satta yuktanam, bhajatam prittipurvakam, dadami buddhi yogam tam, yenamam upayantite. To those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. The actual mission of human life is to understand Krishna and return home back to Godhead. So, therefore, one who is sincerely engaged in the service of the Lord with love and faith can talk with Krishna and receive instructions by which he can speedily return home to Godhead. So, um, Madhavendra Puri is, is such a person and um, with great faith and devotion and care and attention in our service, well, one day we, we may become such persons ourselves and, um, and we can be some of those people standing under Govardhan Hill and you know, might be holding our sticks up to help our friend Krishna or worrying, oh, Krishna, his, his muscle must be getting very tired. I should maybe give, give a little massage there. Or maybe we'll be like a, a proud Brahmin boy like Madhu Mangal. And we're saying this, this hill, it's Krishna. It looks like Krishna is holding it up, but by the, it's the power of my mantras. I got this hill supported. You know, I have mantra power. So maybe that can be, that's our, that's our aspiration. That's our goal. So if anyone would like to, to say something, let's see. Um, I'd, I'd love to ha uh, save just a moment for uh, any questions or comments that anybody might have. Thank you all very much for your kind attention. All right. Omkar Das has given us a thumbs up. Carolina says, Hare Krishna, thank you very much. I really appreciate the way you shared these topics. Very sweet, inspiring, and hopeful. So. Hare Paul, Kanaram. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much for the class. It was very lively and inspiring. Okay. Great. Thank you guys for, for being there. Nice to see you giving me some inspiration. Bye. I hope everybody has a, a wonderful day. I hope you have a, uh, a deep connection uh, with the Govardhan Hill. And um, maybe Guru Maharaj will say some more tomorrow. Um, I'll tell you one more story. I had intended to tell this one. I was initiated in 2013 at the, at the Govardhan Puja Festival. And I got the first and second initiation together. And um, I went in to talk with Guru Maharaj uh, before initiation. And, um, and we had a, a brief conversation, um, but he asked me what I thought was a strange question. He, he asked me, so what is your conception about Krishna? And I, I said, oh, I, I should backtrack a little bit. I, I offered my obeisances to Guru Maharaj and I said, Banchakalpa Tarubias Cha, Kripa Sindhube Evacha, Patitanam, Pavanebio, Vaishnavebio, Namonamaha. And he, he, he said the, the correct prayer is Omagyana Timirandasya. So um, 
I, I, I did I performed that prayer. And then he asked me, so what is what is your conception? What is your uh, what's your conception of what goes on in the spiritual world and what is your aspiration? And I, I said, what like what do you mean, Guru Maharaj? And he said, Well, do you think that you're supposed to arrive at Vishnu or we're gonna worship Narayan and Vaikuntha? And I had been a devotee for like 12 or 13 years, and I didn't want him to think that I had misunderstood. And so I, I said, no, Guru Maharaj, I, I want to worship Krishna in Vrindavan. And I didn't, I was a little shy to say so, but I had I had heard Madan Gopal say it. Um, I said, I, I, I'd like to worship Krishna as a cowherd boy in, in Vrindavan at Govardhan Hill. So anyway, that's just, so Guru Maharaj seemed pleased by that, but I thought it was an, that's an inner, why, why would he ask me that? So anyway, thank you all very much. Very nice to be with Yeah. Yeah, I think what she might be referring to is that there's a there's a deity of a cowherd boy. Is that is that right? There's a, a deity of a cowherd boy. I believe he said his name was Bola, Bola. And he's a he the the pastime, if I remember correctly, was that Krishna was on his way to Mathura and Bola was a cowherd boy, and he said, Krishna, you should come and take lunch at my house. And Krishna said, oh, that sounds really nice, but I have some business to attend to. I have to go to Mathura and attend to some things. But then on my return trip, I'll stop and, and, and we can have lunch together. But then Krishna didn't return. Um, so Bola was waiting there and he's fasting. Um, like, who is it? Oh, I can't think of the, the person's name. Anyway, he was fasting and... Um, and so Krishna never returned, but the maybe the deity was continuing to be nourished and continues to grow uh, because of his devotion. So the deity is there, and maybe the, the cowherd boy, of course, is growing and being nourished by the strength of his devotion, and maybe the deity is doing a similar thing, Miss Bola. Um, so that, that was a story that was given to us, one of the one of many awesome stories from Brigupad yesterday. Um, and the deity, if it was unclear, the deity that was installed by Madhavendra Puri is, is the Gopal deity, Gopal Nathaji. Um, so you, um, he's there on top of Govardhan Hill. Of course, there's some discussion about the nature of walking on Govardhan Hill. There's a lot of conversation about that. But of course, um, in the dream, Krishna had instructed Madhavendra Puri to install him on top of the hill and build a temple there. Um, so certainly some walking on the hill would have to be done. Krishna and the cowherd boys also, Srimati Radharani and the gopis, they also walk on the hill. But we don't walk on the hill. Lord Chaitanya didn't walk on the hill. Um, but anyway, that's, that's, what I, that's what I have as a 
as an answer from yesterday and today. So, so nice to see all of you. And maybe we'll see you tomorrow when Guru Maharaj is on. Same time, same place. Till then, Hare Krishna. Jai Sriman Kanaram Prabhu Ki Jai. Jai. Jai.